Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's newest show, Why Are We Like This, with myself and Adam Collins. Please check us out wherever you can find podcasts, which I think is like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, what have you. And make sure to check out the Patreon, patreon.com backslash video drew and enjoy the show. I think we made it. I think we made. I'm. Yay. We successfully made the transition here. Um. Hi guys. Welcome to an all new. Why are we like this? Uh, a show starring me, Video Drew, and uh, my co-host as always, Adam Collins. I did this right? Yeah, Adam Collins. I made it. Um, I made it. Uh, I think that I started realizing that I've been having this existential crisis about whether the show is called Why Are We Like This, like just the title. Or if it's why are we like this with like eight like eight question marks and like maybe one of those Spanish upside down question marks in the beginning. Why God? Why are we, why are we like this? Because both Are You Afraid of the Dark and Chucky both serve as like perfect like why am I like this? Oh, because of because of these things. Yeah, I think I think we continue to fulfill the promise of the question. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and especially uh, not to tease too much about what we can do at the end of the show here, but I found some formative fiction of mine uh from like old i guess some old photos i took and one of them is are you afraid of the dark related and so i will uh, be reading yes. it yes i'm gonna be reading some of that at the uh, end of the show here guys but as always we do have streamlabs open so if you go to streamlabs.com backslash video drew it's right there at the top uh throw in a couple bucks our way that'd be always helpful to keep the lights on um we don't since i'm on the road traveling right now i don't have uh the little you know obs thing with the little alert box but i will still be able to hear it and read your thing out loud. So please donate, give to the system. Um, Adam, tell me a little bit about your history with Child's Play and the Chucky franchise as a whole. Well, this is neither here nor there, but I literally owned that poster behind you at one point in my life. So, nice. hey, Bob, good to see you again. Um, uh, so why, the thing is, I, as far back as I can remember watching movies, I remember Chucky. Hmm. Um, and Chucky was just kind of one of those things that was in, in my like childhood vernacular long before I saw the movies, because he was, he was like a lot of the horror characters before I saw the movies, they were the tale of urban legend on the playground. Like, Oh, have you seen Jason? Have you seen Chucky? Have you seen the leprechaun? Uh, uh, I learned about the Candyman legend at recess and, and said Candyman five times into the mirror that afternoon mm-hmm. and was disappointed that nothing happened. Um, and that is who Candyman would supposedly work on, is if you're a child and like are seeing the Bloody Mary thing. I think adults yeah. really wouldn't try it. What do I know? <laughs> but I remember when I finally saw um, a Child's Play movie, it was uh, appropriately on USA on mm-hmm. cable. Uh, uh, and I say appropriately because they are they are one of the networks funding the current uh, well broadcasting the current oh. series. It's I a know. USA it's a USA sci-fi co-production. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um uh but in any case, um it was Child's Play 2 that I saw in USA when I was very young. Starring of course not starring but with a cameo by Grace, Grace. Sabrisky playing mm-hmm. Grace Poole. 
Yep, Grace Christie, <laughs> as well as the guy who plays Beef in Phantom in Paradise, creating maybe the best cameo scene I've ever had in like my entire life. Where I was just like, oh, wow, I'm really gonna get into this. I, I found out recently um, that uh, Dr. Hayward and um, Sarah Palmer uh, were on Seinfeld together as a couple. And the meta thing was that um, George had a VHS copy of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me on the shelf behind them in the shot. In the meta meta thing, you learn this from an account called, I think, Sign Peaks. And I am playing a character in that uh, podcast that they just created. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That is cool. That is cool. Can you keep me informed on where I can listen to this? I can, but I'm also going to need to hop back and hop, like hop back in again because I'm seeing that I'm totally frozen at least on my end. So your audio is great though, for what it's worth. Oh, I see. Now I see you. So we're catching up. Um, <laughs> what I about you? Think, what was your entry point? Uh, like it was the Chucky TV show. Quite honestly, let me. Uh, I'm slowly, really? Yeah, I'm still stalling out a little bit. So let me try to enter and come back. Okay, so uh, going back to what I was saying. And I'm sure Drew will be back soon. So video Drew Faithful, don't leave us. She'll be back. Um, yeah, I I remember watching the Child's Play movies on basic cable. Um, specifically the first three, because Bride of Chucky came in the late 90s. Um, and that was kind of the dawn of the, the second era of the franchise. Um, but those first three movies were really, really formative. Um, and I saw two and three a couple of times a piece before I ever saw the first one and child's play two resonated with me because at that point, even though, Hey, hey. I was monologuing about child's play two. People seem um, to literally monologue. They like, that's the most amount of comments we have timestamped to like your monologue. So go ahead. Hey, you know what? I, it's good to discover these things organically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just saying like child's play two was, is one of my favorites in the franchise because it was my entry point. Mm-hmm. And because I saw it a bunch of times uh, growing up before I ever even saw the first movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see my entry point was I knew about um, Chucky because we had a my buddy growing up. My buddy or like not my, yeah, it was called my buddy, right? Like that was yeah. the doll that like um, the good guy doll is based on. Looks kind of just like Chucky and it has like a little tape deck in the back kind of like Rumpel, not Rumpel Sultan, uh, Rumpel, <laughs> Rumpel, what's his name? The, oh, the, Teddy Ruxpin. Uh, Teddy Ruxpin. So I used to make like fake like audio tapes of myself sounding really scary and put them in the back of the my buddy dolls and, and scare my sister. But that was really that was really the only reference point I had to who or what Chucky was was just my mom being like, Howdy Duty was scarier. Like back in my day, we had scarier dolls than Chucky. Oh uh, Howdy Duty, I have thoughts on him too. Yeah, man. Marionettes, everything about dolls is crazy. Uh, but I didn't get into child's play until the TV show started. I mean, I knew it had gotten campy. I kind of like, I think I'd seen parts of um, Bride of Chucky. So I was like, oh, I get it. They're like self-aware. It's ironic. But I think I thought it was all very like lowbrow. And I saw the remake. I saw the reboot with uh, Mark Hamill. And of course, I'd seen the original, uh, like a really, you know, I'd watched the original a couple of times. But I didn't realize like what had happened, like and what this, what this was until I started watching the TV show. And specifically when I saw the one thing that I think that clipped out which is Tony talking about his kid to, to Jake, the main character, and starts getting woke as fuck. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. what is this? What is this? Is Chucky an ally? And I was like, how aware is this show of like any conversation going on? Like, why is this show seeing like so much more chapters into the like cultural conversation than like, I don't know. 
anything else I'm watching. It's it's taken a lot of people by surprise, but if you go back and you watch the films, mm-hmm. you realize it was ahead of the curve mm-hmm. for a yeah. long time. And even though Seed of Chucky is by a lot of people's standards, like the weakest in terms of like writing, like plot wise. Well, like, I just mean like in terms of like moving the mythology forward, uh, like deep, like, but the reason that movie is so important is because it's, it's, it's incredibly sharp and it's, it's a complete deconstruction of the franchise. And it's, it's kind of this, it's this midpoint uh, Mm -hmm. that I love. Like when I rewatch these movies, watching seed of Chucky, you realize, okay, this is the moment where they had peaked and they realized what Chucky was and then taking that break and then doing the, the VOD sequels and now the series and the reboot has really, were the other two, but it was, um, yeah, Kurt, Kurt, and Colt were both VOD, uh, minor theatric, like LA, New York only, I think like, like screenings, if anything. I think I know that uh, Andres is saw. He was talking about going to see, uh, well, at least one of them on in screen. But yeah, it might be in L.A., New York. That would have had to have been exclusive to L.A. because I remember when Curse was announced, I wanted to see it in theaters, and there were a couple like, I think there were there was an opportunity to maybe pay to see it through like a Fathom Events type deal, but nothing, mm-hmm. no proper screenings. And mm-hmm. Cult was direct VOD. I remember. Really? That. Yeah. Um, so so the remake was the the proper like theatrical. Uh, reintroduction of Chucky. So I went and saw the reboot and I was like, okay, like I get it. He's like Skynet. I didn't realize like what, a, and like the backstory of it, like what a sort of like diss it was to Chucky, maybe, which is maybe I think when I was thinking about it, the only perfectly canonical, with, with the exception of the reboot, perfectly canonical horror franchise. Like everything in there mm-hmm. is canon and there's no retconning and like all the rules stay and like everything that like applies goes forward and like I don't see any like inconsistency would be like oh that didn't happen or like oh that never occurred and it occurred some different way it just as far as i can tell everything is canon in uh child's play and in a uh, child's play leading into uh the tv series but not including the reboot yeah because the way it works is child's play through cult of chucky mm-hmm. that's essentially seven movies one story mm-hmm. and then chucky the series is child's play eight Technically, yes, yeah, and Child's, the put over it, there completely yeah. its own thing, but because we have established that uh, this this franchise can can play with itself in a mm-hmm. lot of fun ways, I personally would love love love, especially given the organic uh, groundswell reaction to the series, mm-hmm. I would love to see the Duriff and Hamill Chuckies come head to head at some point because well, I, I think that'd be. It. I like the remake. I don't love it the way I do the original movies, but I like it because it it at least tried to do something different. And it's funny. It is quite funny, in my opinion. Adam, I think you might have hit on something. I think that might happen in this series. Do you notice how in this series they keep bringing up one show and they bring it up like a lot, like even though it's like the wrong year and everyone just, there's one character just keeps asking everyone, have you seen Westworld? Specifically, mm-hmm. Westworld. Did Jake like the the other, or not Jake? Uh, Jake's cousin keeps asking people, "Have you seen Westworld?" And Westworld yeah. would be a reference that makes sense if you're bringing in like the 
uh, Mark Hamill version, because in that one, it's like there he's a doll. He's not really sentient, but he can like have this sort of uplink mind link with the rest of the, mm-hmm. uh, the guy dolls. And that would sort of like if they're able to like bring a soul into that version of Chucky, he's able to like mind meld with all the other robot ones. Like that'd be very cool. I, I, I agree. And I, I, that's what I liked about the remake that it wasn't if it if it tried to just do the same story with Charles Lee Ray. That has its own well-established mythology. Mm-hmm. I agree, Adam White. Thank you for tuning in. Good to see you. Um, yeah, they are all canonical because the thing is, I like, when, yeah. when when there's this huge gap between the movies, it's mm-hmm. easy to think, like, oh, they, they stand alone. And they kind of do. Yeah, but, kind of yeah. but each movie, in its own way, acknowledges the one before it. Um, yeah. and, and Seed of Chucky is the most like I said, meta deconstruction yeah. installment of the entire franchise. Yeah. John Waters is in it. So, you know, it's like the one that like is not jump the shark, but the one was like, okay, we're just going to next level this one. It's like the dream warriors, I guess. Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany possesses the body of Jennifer Tilly. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you so, know, the actress. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, What's his name? Uh, Billy Boyd is both Glenn and Glenda, which is an obvious nod towards like when I look back, I'm like, oh, of course, like Don Mancini is himself like gay. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I did not know that, though, because I was he has been like, like quietly upping the ante of every single movie. He has been. And then I noticed in Cold of Chucky, like the first character you meet, like one of the first five minutes you meet this like orderly and he's like me and my husband. And I was like, OK, mm-hmm. so just like when you start looking for it, it's like everywhere. But it's very subtle and it was not like messagey at all and i just feel like it, it's all led up to this moment where chucky gets to say gender fluid like and it's just the most amazing thing ever i really really um love going back through these movies and seeing the consistency of charles lee ray as a character um it's like, like, so. yeah like like brad Dourif has maintained an amazing level of consistency and the thing i really like about bride and seed of chucky when i rewatch them is that they um, they were the first time where Chucky was able to vamp like casually, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like have like long winded, relaxed conversations with people. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, where yeah. he's not just constantly threatening, and and you start to learn more about him, and it's fascinating. And we're seeing that in the series now. Oh God, yeah, he's just ripping because he's not he's not ever since Seed of Chucky. He made a decision. He doesn't want to be human anymore. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, the whole like possessing someone's soul, playing souls, hide and seek. He doesn't want to do that anymore. And I think Colt, I mean, I haven't gotten to the end of it, but Colt has to establish that he can break his soul into several people, just like his son did or son daughter did to become Glenn Glenda. So there's multiple Chuckies, which means that, yeah, the Westworld thing is still applicable, but like also that, um, that he he doesn't have like any sort of purpose or like driving momentum to have to do necessarily anything. He's just kind of chilling and doing what makes him happy and riffing on it. And he's like, I don't know, he's leading his best life. It makes a lot of sense if you think about if if they decide to blend the existing universe with the remake. Um, it makes perfect sense that in the present day, good guy dolls would be reinvented the way that we see them in the remake. Um, oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So that they're pre-programmed with more depth uh, so that it's more foolproof, mm-hmm. which, and then the irony being that nothing supernatural is what causes the problem in the end. Yeah. But what's weird about the original and just bear with me here is um, the guy removes in the beginning. It's, we find out it's just, they're making good guy dolls and a disgruntled employee removes all the um, 
you know, fire the inhibitors, the inhibitors. Yeah. Yeah. Why do they default make it evil and then just build walls around it? Like, was it a defense thing for like a contract military thing? Why just not build a good doll? Why does it have to have an evil switch that you're just then like building a wall around? That's <laughs> so it, bizarre. It must have been based on some sort of like DOD technology or something. I, I honestly am not sure. Um, but I. He turned the doll to evil. Ah, there's your problem. <laughs> but that's that's what I like about the remake is that it 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 like it takes the whole supernatural angle out of it. Lets the um the the original uh, franchise hang on to that, mm -hmm. and just lets it become a discussion about us like interacting with modern technology. And mm -hmm. and I and I like that. Um, and I like how yeah. Chucky is is kind of. Uh, clinical and and friendly about the way he kills in the remake. Yeah. Well, right, because he's just like he's just like Alexa, like he's just like mm -hmm. a like a Siri that's had the, all the firewalls taken off, so like Siri can like now just go and do your id bidding. So if it thinks that you hate your stepfather, it'll just go kill your stepfather. <laughs> but it, it's not like a like sociopathic, but like still kind of funny. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's a sociopath, but like a mass killer, um, not strangler which is hilarious. We'll get into that for a second. Mask murderer who like goes and puts his soul into a doll. So by a voodoo magic and has very dis like discreet wants and desires. Like the new Chucky mm -hmm. has no like desires of itself. It just is doing your bidding or like some mechanation of it. Whereas like this one, uh, this is just Charles Lee Ray. And he's just like taking his time out to now like uh, mentor some kids. Cause we found out that's the thing he likes to do is like mentor young budding sociopaths. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you see that in the franchise, like he tries to nurture that with a lot of characters. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the original three have that really solid storyline of uh, trying to possess Andy mm -hmm. and uh, without spoiling anything about the end of Cult of Chucky, I can at least acknowledge that Alex Vincent coming back for oh, yeah. that movie is just such a cool moment uh, to see him return to the franchise. Because for me, as a fan of the original three films, it was always a bit jarring to see the age jump because mm -hmm. I think Alex Vincent was really good in those first two movies uh, for like child actors. Mm -hmm. I think he was well above average, especially in the first movie. Like he, he really breaks my heart. Like that moment where um, he's in the hospital and he sees Chucky like climbing the stairwell across the way. And he's like Chucky. crying. Yeah. He's crying in terror. And I feel mm -hmm. so bad for him. Yeah, uh, so you're saying between two and three when there's like a massive age jump, but it's not, uh, I think that's like the one time the continuity starts to get off sync because it's only supposed to have been a couple of years, but he's like massively older. Like, is that he, he, He's 16 years old when he's in the military academy. So it's a right. big age. It's like it's like when Tommy Jarvis uh, became an adult uh, between Friday the 13th, four and five. But it's the same act correct or is it not the same guy? no no alex vincent didn't play him in the third right. one the third one came out like in i want to say like 91 okay uh if not 92 so it was almost immediately after child's play 2 that's what's messing it up all oh, right because like then they have to retcon and pretend like 92 happened like that, that third child's play takes place in the future so he can become 16 even though like the timeline would have him only be a year mm -hmm. older than he is so like then from then on these movies take place in the future by a couple years uh I watched like a whole YouTube video on this. Uh, so I'm an expert. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I really like all the children in this. I think the one thing that I found over the franchise that I found like a little weird or like unearned, I guess, was in Curse of Chucky when it becomes about like he's always wanted a family 
And we already decided that in Seed of Chucky, like what he wants out of family life. But like Curse of Chucky implies that like Charles Lee Ray had this big desire to have a family and like uh, coveted his neighbor's wife and and try to like play house with her after the husband died and then stab the kid. You know, it's, just, it's all this like serial killer stuff that doesn't fit with what I feel like Charles Lee Ray is, which is like a serial narcissist who just kind of wants to be like Al Bundy, not Ted Bundy necessarily. Mm-hmm. Just like hang out and drink his beers and be a doll and like do killings. Yeah, like I, I think I think there's a bit of duality with with Charles Lee Ray. Um, we're constantly getting. I, I think he's just a fickle guy. Yeah. Um, because uh, if you go back and watch uh, when you watch Bride of Chucky, he's mm-hmm. very, you know, he, right out of the gate, he's like, he laughs in her face when she thinks like he wanted to propose. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he instantly backs off on it when you think when when it when he thinks it's a matter of survival. But then when it's not a matter of survival, he still wants to marry her. He's so impulsive. Yeah. And then he kills and her, I, and he gives her to all, and then he's yeah. happy to have the kid. He's not happy to have the kid. He, yeah. The both of them. They have like um an impulse control problem that I think is directly addressed in They're both emotionally immature, like terribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they both are self-aware about it. Like she's actively trying to better herself in Seed of Chucky. Like she's doing all the self-help books. She has those slips, but she's like aware mm-hmm. that she, she's almost like treating it like it's alcoholism. Um, and yes. he's, like, he's like, "This is a this is a hobby for me." Like he's like, "I don't I don't I don't need to kill. Like I like to kill. This isn't like a problem." And then they're hiding their kills from each other, like and getting the kid involved and kind of stuck in the middle. And I don't know. I really like Seed of Chucky. Seed of Chucky is like it, it's aging really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that, uh, you know, there's some parts about, like, I guess the trans uh, discussion that didn't age so, so well, but I still think in general, and, and the way that Chucky is dealing with it now is like, wow, chef's kiss. I, I do think if you go back, uh, it's, 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 it's a blunt force conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not nuanced at all. Um, mm-hmm. But what I what I think works about it is if when when I rewatched the movie, I wasn't like watching it and like grimacing or wincing at what they were saying, like I do with some old movies that when they yeah. when they talk about uh, 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 people who are trans. Um, this mm-hmm. this was written from a sympathetic perspective, in my opinion, because it's absolutely the the Glenn character is so lovingly written and he's so innocent. Uh, they mm-hmm. are so innocent. Um, they they use both pronouns in the movie. That's why I say that. But like, it, and now it's, they are it's, two separate people. They are literally a they. So that is yes. They, they are two exactly. But like, I just I, mean, yeah. I love the line in Seed of Chucky where Tiffany says, "Be a boy." Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but be a boy, be a girl whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Just, I just want you to be happy. Like that's essentially like these killer dolls are saying that to their child in a movie from 2004. That's crazy. Even Chucky, who is like, I want a boy. Like you're a boy. Like you're definitely a boy is more into the idea that like Glenda, like the, the female version of Glenn, like his other personality. Mm -hmm. That's the part that's a little tricky is like the idea that it's a split personality, which I kind of think makes it more offensive to, uh, mental illness identity like in DID sure. than it is to necessarily trans issues but like you know so the idea that it's a split personality as soon as you realize the female version of his child is the serial killer of the two of them he's like oh mm-hmm. I'm cool with having a, you know whatever you want like Charles Lee Ray is so progressive as to make like Dave Chappelle look 
insane by comparison. And I really like that dichotomy. Where you're like, Chucky seems like he'd be a better stand-up comic uh, than Charles Lieber. I mean, than, uh, than Dave Chappelle. Well, and and you know what? The, the uh, progressiveness is like built in at this point because I can't say enough good things about Fiona Dorif. Oh my God. She is... She's such a cool actor in her own right before she was ever involved in this franchise. But for her to step in and across the course of, without getting into major specifics, Curse and Cult of Chucky, she's able to be both sympathetic and also, you know, uh, make this really interesting character arc pivot. And you see the way she's set up in the TV series. You're like, obviously, you probably have a lot of questions at that point. Like, how'd she end up here? But Did you know, do you know that it was her playing the young Charles Lee Ray? I do. That's what I was getting. Like, I was so excited when I saw this week's episode, which, yes, guys, we're talking spoilers for the Chucky show. That's that's what this episode is. But, Some, but, a little bit. I mean, it's, it's not, not, not major spoilers, but we're going to refer to aspects of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for her to play her father mm-hmm. in prosthetics and then do the get the ADR voice so they, like, they, they, in the ADR voice almost because there was a couple parts of Col- uh, uh, Curse of Chucky where I looked away and I thought he was speaking and I looked back and I was like, oh no, it's just her speaking in like a gravelly voice. And she and him just IRL, she shares the same laugh as Chucky. That's her <laughs> laugh. And it's crazy. Um, I think uh, we just blew Adam Witt's mind. Do you see what he just said? Oh my God, Adam. Why do you think we're, yes. I didn't know about the Child's Play like franchise really being awesome until I started watching this show because I saw a clip online where Chucky's like, you know, Jake, I've got a, I got a queer kid, and they've got like the little boy is like, what? Like you do? And he's like, gender fluid, and like, he's like you're okay with that? And he's like, Jake, I'm not a monster. And you're just like, oh my god, this show is, this show is my everything. Give it to me. I want whatever this show is promoting. Like I love it, and I also love the idea that like. Yes, he's not a monster. Like, Charles Lee Ray is still a human being, capable of more empathy than a lot of human beings in America right now. It's so true. And I think uh, Don Mancini is, like, he's so, he's he is the pulse of this series. He's what's sustained mm-hmm. it since the beginning because, like I said, he's written every... he's He's at least collaborated, if not single-handedly written every single script, except the remake, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, so he wrote all the movies, but then Seed of Chucky was his directorial debut. And then That's he direct right. and then he directed Curse and Cult. But the, the director, thing the director of the first one was Don't Tell Me, Don't Tell Me. It was was it the same guy as Fright Night? Or is it Yes, Night? yes. It was? So not Landon. Uh same name as an MCU actor. Oh God, who uh oh it's Toby uh not Toby Hooper. Um yes, I know who Tom Holland. Yes. No. It is Tom Holland. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. Tom Holland. Yes. Tom Holland. Tom, okay. Right. Right. Um, so Tom Holland did the first one. Um, but yeah, what I love about Curse and Cult is because those weren't big theatrical tent poles, um, and they were more like they had smaller budgets and they were VOD oriented. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mancini was able to really put his stamp on the story and and get and get deep into the weeds in a way that he hadn't been able to do with the previous films. Mm-hmm. And then the series is the the pinnacle of that because it is I I I got choked up this this week watching yeah. Chucky. I Chucky got choked up because good. because the the whole romantic storyline between Jake and Devin um like this week really got got me. Uh yeah I was I was saying uh 
there's an extremely beautiful, like very and very like touching like subplot. The one thing about the show is these kids are supposed to be in eighth grade. I don't know why they didn't just age them up to high schoolers because it would just. I feel like this, this thing. Everyone looks young to me, Drew. They all look Everyone's young to me. me. But like <laughs> in terms of like, I think the main guy looks like he's a high schooler, not like by much. Like he's like maybe a sophomore, but like eighth grade is like 13, 14. And so when I was watching this, I was like, well, I'm just get this this uh, subplot about like this this gay kid and like him and his crush finally getting together was done so romantically. But I'm like, wait, do I think it's okay if like kids that young in middle school are hooking up? And then I was like, yeah, no, I'm totally okay with it. It's just it's just weird for me to get my mind around the, the kids that young hook up, I guess, because I'm a little bit of like an old woman prude now. I'm like, you wait till high school until you start heavy petting. To be like, fair, they were holding hands at an assembly. It wasn't that. No, they have a beautiful kiss in the, this episode. Really no, no, no. They have the kiss too. But like, I, I, I feel like all of it is very sweet puppy love at the same time. And, oh, absolutely. And, and it's just so there's so much chemistry between those two actors. And oh, yeah. And as and, Eric pointed out, uh, do I have any problem with the kids from Stranger Things like hooking up because they were like the same age or like when the the straight guy and the straight girl like hooked up? Like, no, I don't. So this is not this is not no. And I, I didn't think that at all. But it's it it is it, it is quite something that of all the television shows on the air mm-hmm. right now, Chucky is just quietly um, doing its thing. It's 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 still like fun and thrilling to watch in my Mm -hmm. opinion, the way all the child's play movies are, because no matter how ridiculous or slapstick some of those movies get the, at the end of the day, what I'm really excited to see is how is Chucky going to manage to do what he does next in that little body? His little body. It's the whole thing is that he has a tiny little body and that is, and he's so pissed about it. He's so pissed about being little. And, and, And that's why I love whenever he jumps on somebody, he kicks his little legs. He kicks yeah, him he kicks, so crazy. He kicks him and he does that weird little like howl he does where he's like, ah! Yeah. I also love that Chucky, because he's decided to stay in this, in this body, or at least part of him has this, I don't, again, I haven't seen the end of Cult, so I don't know exactly how this this magic works, but I guess that's the Westworld references. You can split your singularity, you can split your identity into, there can be multiple people with your same brain walking around, uh, because mm-hmm. there's all Ch- Chucky, and then there's like the Fiona Dorf Chucky, and then there might be other things out there. But that being said, uh, I do love that he can feel pain. Like that's just now canon too, is that he's just decided to stay in a doll or he can jump from one doll to another, but he does feel pain. So like, uh, so like he can be tortured. You can like hurt Chucky, but like after a certain point, he'll just jump into another thing. I don't know if he can jump into non-animate or non-doll related things that aren't human. Like, can he jump into a lamp or like a speaking spell? Like, has that ever been that canon yet? I feel like it has to be an approximation of a human being is the rule. Like, okay. like, because like voodoo, it's, right. it's loosely tied to voodoo and with, and they haven't gone back to like, like voodoo dolls since the first movie. Probably for the best. Yeah. Um, because voodoo was like very much the thing to, to do in the, in the eighties and nineties for horror. Yeah, and it was like the satanic panic thing. It's, I mean, it's perfect. Child's Play was always a perfect commentary on consumerism about, like, you know, uh, satanic panic. This whole thing that was going on in the 80s, I feel like. Uh, it was just this this moral outrage and terror that, like, was coupled with this, like, intense desire to just purchase, purchase, purchase. I think either Toby or Don Dom's uh, parents were, like, into ad- were advertising people and, like, were into marketing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, a toy company. I believe that's right. 
And so like the number two is just all about like the corporation being, you know, evil. And like the idea that like this doll went and killed somebody, but they're still just going to try to make more of them and like make them in the exact same mold, even though it's like terrible. It's the worst thing to do, but so like corporations are even more soulless than Chucky is. Chucky has a soul. In the original three movies, that's what I, I, I like that. Um, uh, Child's Play 2 and 3 open up with um, uh, little vignettes inside the Play Pals good guy company. Mm-hmm. So like the first the, Child's Play 2 opens up with um, them recovering recovering the charred remains of Chucky from the first movie and trying hey. to prove that he's a normal doll. And then the guy gets electrocuted to death and chaos ensues. And then, it, and then in the third one some blood just trickles out from the previous Chucky corpse into a plastic vat. Yeah. And that, and that's what leads to another Chucky being born. And I, I just, the, the rules are kind of loose and that's fine with me because yes. yeah, the first movie, I think whether it's intentional or not completely, I think what I love, well, I know what I love about Charles Lee Ray uh, thematically is he's this incredibly selfish, impulsive, uh, and a white serial killer. Yes, very white. When, when he gets killed, he's wearing a suit and tie, which is so weird because of his long, crazy hair. He's Tommy Wiseau in the room. He just is like IRL Tommy Wiseau with that. I know, I know. And honestly, I love that look on Brad Dourif. I think he looks great at the beginning of Child's Play. He looks amazing. Uh, I was watch- <laughs> I didn't know when I was watching this new Chucky show that that's what he was looking like in the beginning of the series. And I just, I hadn't gone back yet and rewatched the ones that have flashbacks. I thought, like, honestly, I was like, are they doing, like, Tommy, is that Tommy, is that actually Tommy Wiseau? And then Eric had to be like, no, that's just how he looked back then. I was like, that is insane. That that's what they went with for this serial killer. It's pretty accurate. Like, that is what a crazy yeah. person look like. Um, but, but he is, he's so, dirty. I love but that. he's, he's also, like, even though he comes supposedly from, like, you know, like, uh, uh, a rough upbringing, as we've seen in the Chucky series, he had a pretty cushy upbringing. And he's just a bad egg, yeah. and and he's taking everything he can uh, to use to his advantage. So even though voodoo magic, as it's imagined in the Child's Play franchise, is a very reductive, mm-hmm. it's simplistic, just words. yeah. But he takes it and he literally kills the guy who taught him how to do it out of spite. Yeah. Um, and even though the magic shouldn't be rewarding a person like him, it is. Well, and yeah. and I, I think that says a lot about like what that character represents too. He is he is entitlement in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I think it kind of fits back into this midnight mass idea, which is like the voodoo is not good or bad. It's just like a tool that he is using. Fertility's mm-hmm. character uses it in a different way to like split Glenn and Glenda up into two separate entities. You know, like and and, and really like literally create a bay like um. Very woke. God, that ship. That movie was very progressive for its time. I did not realize that. Um, what I really like about Charles C. Ray is he's the definition of that trope of like, oh, like the Joker does this too a lot in the cartoon series of Batman where it's like, well, I'm crazy, but like, that's a bad idea. Or like, well, I thought I was crazy, but like, what you're like suggesting is absolutely insane. Or like, they're, mm-hmm. they're just things that he reacts to where he's like, he just side eyes it a little bit. And you're like, okay. It's like when Homelander and the boys heard about like the Nazis, like, and they found out his girlfriend was a Nazi, and you just see him go like, mm, like, white power, like, mm. and you're like, oh, even that sociopath, narcissist, killer, has like a line he draws somewhere in the sand, and I really like that trope. Yeah, uh, Chucky 
is he just wants to kill people, but not because of their race, gender, or creed. No. Like, like he just wants to kill people for his own pleasure. And yeah. um, that doesn't make it right, but it makes it consistent. And it there's, there's something I respect about the way that character exists on his own terms. I mean, in three, he basically tries to pull a get out. Like, and says as much. She's like, I'm going to, Chucky's going to be a brother. And like, you're like, oh no, like Chucky, no. But to be fair, he's also in Fiona Dorf. Like he doesn't care what, what he regenerates into. He doesn't care if it's a man or a woman or what color they are. You're right. He just, he doesn't really care about. He tries to become red man in uh seat of Chucky, which is amazing. Yes. He does try to become red. Never succeeds. Cause that's when he decides like, uh, I guess after red man dies, but uh, he decides, yeah. no, he just likes to be a doll. And I think that works for him. Like his identity is so his ego is so large that it can't even be encompassed by race or gender. He just is a, he's like, I'm Chucky. I'm the killer doll. Like, that's my thing. That's what I'm famous for. I don't want to become a person who's like not famous. When I'm he's like more, doll. he's more famous as the doll than he was as a human being. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he realizes that in seat of Chucky. And I feel like, um, I feel like there's, <laughs> he would have. <laughs> yeah, he would. Um, I, I, I feel like there there's there's this unimpeachable uh, character quality with him, um, and I feel that with Tiffany to an extent too. I feel like, like they're, they're not they're pure. They're not like hypocrites or something. Yeah, Tiffany. Um, she's very broad in in Bride and Seed of Chucky, mm -hmm. but I'm interested to see where the TV show takes her because uh, Curse and Colt couldn't really flesh out uh, Tiffany that much, but mm -hmm. they at least like acknowledge that she's still part of the story. So I think this series, yeah, yeah, and this week's episode showed us that yes, Tiffany's still going to be a part of this. I can't wait to see where it goes with her, because Jennifer Tilly's become such a big part of what this story is. Well, and I wonder, like, because her social media presence is also bonkers, and now I'm wondering if maybe her social media presence, like, you ever look on her like Twitter? It seems like she's going nuts with the Chucky stuff, like to the extent that it was a picture of her and Fiona Dorf, like before the episode came out, it was her and Fiona Dorf semi-naked on a bed just in the bra and underwear being like we're waiting for you and i was like if if i was brad dorf and i was looking at this photo i'd be like who is this for like this is my daughter <laughs> like the woman i'm and she's being me and that's the woman i'm supposed to be having sex with and like what is this photo like i'm wondering if she's not being because jennifer tilly now canonically is the is the possessed jennifer tilly with the soul of the serial killer who was played by jennifer tilly yes in this very Pinja Malkovich way, I wonder if she herself, the real life Jennifer Tilly, is not actually supposed to be this like ARG version of Jennifer who's taken over her social media and left <laughs> it today. So if that's the idea, good job. That's next level. And honestly, as much credit as we give to Scream, mm -hmm. we give Scream a lot of credit, as we should. All those movies are varying degrees of good. But I think Chucky... Child's Play, I'll mm -hmm. say it right here, I think it's more consistent. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Child's Play, Scream is another one, I guess, that hasn't been rebooted or redone in a way that makes anything uh, non-canonical. Like, mm -hmm. everything is canonical. So I guess Scream is the other one. I'm not sure about Hellraiser. I think, I'm pretty sure we can just guess that Hellraiser did not Hellraiser, no, none of that matters at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the canon is completely out the window with Hellraiser, I think. Yeah, I think so. The only canonical issue i've ever found in screen is whose uh whose cousin um emma roberts was like was was she on the dad's side or the mom's side but that aside i think that, like that's been very consistent excited to see the new movie 
this is so much broader than that though. And like the TV show of Scream was not in the same world. Like we, I don't think was in the same universe or applied the same rules. And Scream having different killers every time makes it so there's not one consistent uh, id that we're following. Almost like it becomes like the anti-hero of the story. Michael, Jason, Freddy, Chucky. It's like one guy. Well, Scream, I, and I've been re-watching those movies. Uh, and again, I like the Scream movies quite a bit. I'm really excited about the new one. Mm -hmm. um, but when I rewatch them, what what's always comes into focus for me, um, Scream 2 especially, uh, I, I realize this time around Scream 2 is my least favorite of all four. And really? I, still, I still like it, but it's mm -hmm. my least favorite because it's it's the one that feels the most rushed and it feels like it's it really is not doing a whole lot that's new. It's just, it's trying to capture that interest in the public so fast. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that movie should have come out in 98. It should have had at least a year in development because it just you end up with a two hour film that was written in a complete rush and it's still fun to watch, but it doesn't say a whole lot new. No, about, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even have something yeah. interesting to say about uh, sequels, which you think that West maybe it was just West Craven. Like he was, he was not going to leave the franchise because he saw what happened with nightmare on Elm street and like leaving it. But I wonder if he just like did not have that much to say, like meta commentary about sequels and reboots other than I don't like that they exist. And like that they are like, a thing that like we have to keep doing because I think like very much so like he wrote Nightmare on Elm Street, he wrote Scream and then like Nightmare on Elm Street got away from him. He said he didn't want to do the sequel. So they hired someone else and it became like Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street, but like it was no longer done by Wes Craven. And right. then, you know, when it's the quality and the writing started to go down, like he still had to be associated with it. So I think Scream, he decided, no, screw that. I'm going to stay on board, but you can see, you can feel his like interest in the subject material, like waning because he doesn't have as much to say as like a thesis as he did in the original. They're all, they're all, they all are good movies in my opinion, but like scream two is the most rushed by far. Yeah. And oh, yeah. scream three, I think is the most unfairly maligned because when I rewatch, I like that movie uh, quite a bit because it, it's so, it's so self-reflective. And uh, I know, I know the word, meta is you know being used a lot tonight but we're talking about scream and child's play right now so what are we what are we supposed to say you know what? I, meta I, can come back meta can make a comeback it's been a couple years we're allowed i mean and uh, screw mark screw. zuckerberg yeah. um uh but i i think scream 3 is is honestly uh really really uh smart um mm -hmm. and then i think scream 4 is is uh, a, a really good reflection on the franchise. Um, mm -hmm. I think if you're going to spend that much time away from it and come back, I feel like Scream 4 does a really good job of of legitimizing why it exists. But Chucky, to bring it back to what I was trying to say about Chucky and Child's Plays, every single movie tells its own story, but it's not... The thing is, um, every single time we come back to Chucky, um he's always adding more to his own story. He's always adding, there's always more to be added to the mythology. And even though it's ultimately a story about a serial killer trying to get into a human body, we're all rooting for him to stay in the body of the doll. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes at a certain point, it transcends that and see it transcends that. And he realizes like his self-awareness, maybe that's why Westworld just keeps coming up in the show is because they want to be like here, see like, 
he he's like gaining awareness and he is he is maturing in a certain way like he is learning things and growing and like his relationship with andy it's just the beginning of cold trucky that you see where they're like he's torn he's being tortured by andy but they're still kind of like friends and like they have this like rapport and like he's known this kid his whole life it's like the closest thing he has to like a or like a, a relationship that spanned decades you know um his relationship yeah. to uh tiffany like he's He's got more friends than I do, I feel like, some days. <laughs> like, Charles E. Ray has a bunch of people in his corner. Um, and I didn't know this because, like, way to hide in plain sight. We all know Chucky exists. We all know Child's Play exists. We all know the doll. It's super iconic. I'd put it up there with, like, Jason and Freddy and all the rest of them in terms of, you know, and Pinhead. But, like, I don't think we all saw that this was clearly, like, a clear vision. That this was a singular, clear vision and that it was so brilliant until the show came out and came, like told us like this has all been one person this whole time. It hasn't been a bunch of different people writing Freddy Krueger dialogue or rebooting the Jason or uh, Michael franchises. This has been one guy, and he's been like telling a story that progresses, and the characters just get like deeper and more involved. That's really cool. And I don't know if it's by accident or incidental, but like I've thought of like especially with. This series, I've I've been comparing Charles Lee Ray to uh, Charlie Manson more too, oh, and and wondering how much of that was a coincidence or not. Um, mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't think that they had envisioned the entire backstory for this character when they released the original film, but the way they add to it uh, from movie to movie, and and the fact that Brad Dourif just is so passionate about this yeah. um, adding to the character. I, I like that at this point and cult of Chucky really drives it home without talking about the ending uh, just with how, how much Chucky has become a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, Charlie, what the Ray would stand for, but uh, I do think, I don't think he's a Manson type. If we're going to play this game, I think that like the Lake Shore Strangler is kind of a uh, sort of like those Seattle, uh, the, the Lake Stranglers in Seattle. What were they called? The Lakeside Stranglers. Mm-hmm. Those two guys and uh, kind of combo them and Temp Bundy, I guess a little bit, but like not as handsome as Bundy. So I guess like Bundy meets Richard Ramirez. Yeah, he's like very Night Stalkery looking. Um, I do like that this show has clarified that, and thank God for finally addressing this. <laughs> he's called the Lake Shore Strangler, but that is not his preferred choice of killing and it never was because Mm -hmm. i've had this discussion many times about being like well why was he called the lakeshore strangler he wasn't he's never strangled anyone as chucky ever and people say well it's because you know he's dull it's really hard to strangle people his first kill is pushing someone out a window which i would argue is very hard if you're doll sized and like not go launching out with them so he's he's resourceful he's creative it just turns out that they called him the lakeshore strangler he didn't strangle that many people like not not ratio wise was that any higher than he killed them by other means? It's it's like um it's it's like that that age old uh, gag where you know uh, like Star Lord you know like he's mm-hmm. trying so hard to be known as Star Lord mm-hmm. and and uh, people keep calling him the wrong thing and yeah. I and I like the idea that this has been on 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 Chucky's back his entire life he's like. I'm not a goddamn strangler. Like I'm sure he's strangled a couple people, but it, again, it's not Every what he time. likes. He likes blood and viscera. He likes blood and viscera. Uh, he can, like you said, he's impulsive. He can't help himself, and in the child's body, he can't really do much in terms of strangulation. I still think strangulation is like weirdly, uh, it's almost like not violent enough. Like he has this thing 
especially towards women. Uh, he just really wants to like, it's almost like Brad Pitt in like the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He just wants to like bash the phone into your head. Mm-hmm. Like is almost like too quick of a death. I think we seem to put a bag over somebody's head once. Um, David McKay saying who? David Parker Ray. I guess that was another cellular thriller. Um, but Chucky does say in part three, nothing like a little strangulations to get the circulation going. Yeah, he does some... <laughs> yeah, no, like, they try and bring home the strangulation in part three to, like, make it legit, which I appreciate. But, yeah, we all know that at the end of the day, he's really a, a, he's a, knife. a, knife, he's a knife guy. Yeah, he's a knife guy. He's a giant kitchen knife. And, by the way, again, it's just, like, all about uh, opportunity, right? Like, I think he was a knife guy we see in Cold of Chuck or Curse of Chucky. He was a knife guy before he died. He liked, you know, knifing people. But uh, I think he'll just take whatever's around. Like, I think that he, like, he obviously is really good at electrocution, which seems like a hard one to pull off. Like, he's very good at, like, final destinationing the exact situation to lead to, uh, like, like an uh, electrocution. Yeah, like the first movie, he electrocutes the guy from the Incredible Hulk TV show. I forget his name. Uh And then... um, No, no, no. The, the, the like reporter guy who's chasing oh. David Banner around the entire, I, I'd have to look him up, but then, um, then he electrocutes Tiffany in the bathtub. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, um, he electrocutes Devin Sawa. Oh, that's what I was, the- the- was going to say. I'm not sure if, uh, why would he know? I don't think if Adam Wood is still watching who he knows who the dad is, but, uh, yes, it is also very woke. On it's Twitter okay. That's set up in the Sawa. pilot. It's fair game in my opinion, but yeah. 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 When I saw it, I didn't recognize him at all. Like, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I want to bring up this picture. Oh, I'm obsessed with Devin Sawa in this show. Um, and and there is a Devin Sawa, Sawanaissance, if you want to call it that, going on right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, he is, he, is, he is creeping back into the zeitgeist. And I think Chucky is really going to catapult him because he's got some other movie coming out soon. Um and you know what, like, the movie that, like, got him back in it was, uh, I think it was a, the direct-to-video sequel to Escape Plan, Escape Plan 3 with Stallone and Batista and Devin Sawa, I want to say, were all in it. Oh, my God, And really? the first Escape Plan with um, uh, uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone is quite quite a fun little movie. But they did two sequels that went right to video. And the third one, I think, had Devin Sawa. And then, and now, now he's in Chucky. And he's like he's 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 really building himself back up, and I'm here for it because I think he's great. I'm uh, literally about to tweet. I'm about to steal this tweet right out from under you, but I'll give you credit for it though. <laughs> about the Sawanasans and tagging Devin Saw in it, because yeah, he's somebody that I only recently remembered existed. I am one of the assholes who definitely thought that he died because I think I was confusing him with um, the person who did die right before Heath Ledger, uh, the one from App People. Was that yeah, that was him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget his name. Um, not Jonathan Brandis, although he also died. Oh, it's just somebody, you know. Um, and I thought Devin Sawa was straight up dead. And I think a lot of people did. I think that was his Twitter bio for a while. It was like, I'm, I'm not definitely not dead. You're thinking of that other guy. Uh, Brad Renfro. That's what it was. Yeah. I definitely thought he was Brad Renfro. Uh, because it was like early 90s. I was a kid. But so sue me. And we said it last week, just because you say it doesn't mean I retain it, Andres, very clearly. Um I can't believe yeah, Brad Renfro and is different from the one from like the Sequest show and Jonathan Brandis. And they're all things that like other girls liked in the nineties. And I didn't. So River Phoenix, you know, yeah. like, Devin saw at least look different than the rest of them. Like he had more of that him and Seth green. They were both an app people, but they both had that like kind of angular look that was like their faces looked a little different. 
they seem more edgy than the other ones. Um, and I, I think it was about a year ago, I started saying that like Devin Sawa posted on Twitter a lot and had like a lot of good, but like super hot takes, like super mm-hmm. good takes and super hot takes. Like um, uh, the guy who plays Bill and Bill Ted, uh, Alex Winter. Yeah. Also very woke on Twitter. And I love, I that love Alex Winter. Hope he comes on to the Shucky show. Cause I feel like Don Mancini just kind of looked at Devin Sawa's Twitter and was like, I, my views have won with this guy's views. And like, yes, let's put him on the programming. Alex Winter uh, gets it. Um, he understands the legacy. The What's that? It's that he understands the assignment. He does understand the assignment. I mean, did you see Bill and Ted face the music? I, I really, really like that movie. And I just, um, I respect the hell out of Alex Winter because he went on to do documentary filmmaking primarily. Oh, I didn't uh, like after Bill and Ted's bogus journey, he effectively moved on from acting. He has, He's barely done anything. If you look at his IMDb credits between Bogus Journey and Face the Music, they're pretty sparse for acting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mostly done filmmaking. And um, I know Face the Music was one of the only things he would come out of retirement to act for because he loves the character and he loves Keanu. And they're, best, they're like really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I need Alex Winter to do, and this is neither here nor there, I need his movie Freaked to be more readily available because it's out of circulation. It's not streaming anywhere. It's almost impossible to watch. And really? it's, it's so frustrating. Like I, I saw Alex winter tweeting a couple months ago about like the screening series of screenings they did in LA for freaked. And I haven't seen that movie in its entirety in my whole life, but I've seen parts I've heard about it my whole life, but I just want to buy the Blu-ray. That's all I want. And yeah. it's not available anywhere and you can't even rent it. And it's- Have you asked him on Twitter? You just like tweeted him, be like, "Hey!" Everyone asks him on Twitter, and he's like, "Uh, yeah, we'll see." But he co-directed it. He's the star of it. Um, it's very like it. You know, it's a it's a horror comedy in the spirit of the Toxic Avenger is, but it's it's got its own flavor. Um, Alex Winter does understand the assignment, and I would love him to show up in Chucky. I mean, again, like I I didn't know that this show was or this I didn't know that much about Child's Play, so I can't say either here or there. But this would be like finding out that like. This is just like the good version of like finding out about Papa John's or like, you know, Chick-fil-A where I was just like, oh, this one IP that is very well known, like has, has viewpoints that completely align with my ideology, but like in ways that are like very cool. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. this is what uh, maybe like the far right gets a lot of the time, like from people who are like lambasting like public CEOs and stuff who just like to blast their viewpoints everywhere or it's not necessary. I feel like this show and the way that this is slowly, quietly built into a political statement, like about like uh, and Chucky out of all things to be like a political statement about like empathy and like awareness and like a you know millennial understanding. I don't know. It's just so good. Like I would give my money to anything that they do now. It's I. It's amazing because I think after this, uh, you're going to see um, more interest in a sequel to the remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh, I think we're going to see a second season for sure. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not. With the, I think the problem with the doing a sequel is that they don't have the rights to it anymore, right? The studio had the rights to the phrase "child play." So, from they what I understand, yeah, is because MGM did the original film, they mm-hmm. have the license to the original film. Mm-hmm. So the remake was based on the IP of just the original movie. Mm-hmm. Universal, uh, NBC Universal. Uh, whatever that company is now, they own um, Chucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they own the Brad Dourif version. 
Okay. Uh, like everything from Child's Play 2 through Cult of Chucky and the series is universal. So I think that's where the divergence is. Mm-hmm. Um, how much it's they would ever bridge the gap, I'm not sure. But like I would, I would like to see a sequel to the remake because I think what Child's Play has established, regardless of whether it's a robot or a possessed doll, is you can do anything you want. Yeah, yeah. And well, this, what's so clever about it is it's been like this. It's not like this is now suddenly a new thing. It's been like this the entire time. Just no one saw it. It was hiding in plain sight. It would be like mm-hmm. if Red Kruger turned out to be, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an equivalent that's like like also cool and not shitty. But like, yeah, <laughs> if, like if he turned out that like he was like, Freddy Kruger was always like really uh, like into climate change. And like about climate change awareness and like this whole shtick this entire time if you go back and watch the movies you can see a clear pattern that freddy krueger is worried about overpopulation and like uh climate and environmentalism and that he's just trying to pr- like protect the rainforest or something like that's the equivalent of like the level of forethought and like i don't think it was necessarily like um it's not like this was all pre-planned like it was not predestined to happen this way it's not like they had this idea the entire time but i think he's just been quietly more working his viewpoints into this this canon and as he's been allowed the freedom because no one's really been paying that much attention to child's play or like the IP of child's play or mm-hmm. Chucky. It's, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, I think bride of Chucky made it seem like this campy silly thing. And so no one's really been paying attention to what it's been doing or what it's been trying to say. Uh, it, it's sort of like kind of flew under the radar and like this Ed Wood kind of way. I think what's great about all of these movies is they, they leave their impression, um, over time so like Mm -hmm. they don't come out and try and uh uh generate some sort of lightning rod debate out of thin air they 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 the movie exists and then we we horror fans go back and revisit it and discover over time oh my god they were saying this the whole time Mm -hmm. and and that's and because don mancini has been writing all of these that's why there's so much consistency even though Seed, uh, Bride and Seed of Chucky are the most meta of all of them mm-hmm. um, and and seem like the most slapstick, they are also uh, a very pivotal point of codifying what this franchise is trying to say, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, uh, it can't be boiled down to a few simple sentences, but essentially it's about self-actualization. It's about gender identity. It's about sexual identity in certain cases. But it's it's in a, in a lot of ways uh, to me, um, it's it is about uh, like the cult of personality as well as trying to affirm your own identity, if that makes yeah. any sense. And, no, and yeah, and it, it tackles both of those things in almost every single movie. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's, it's also about uh, one story of self. Like this is very much like Chucky mm-hmm. have if he was ever confronted or forced to look into a mirror or say like, you know, he always picks or thematically, he's always trying to get children because he was trying to jump into a child's body because it was whoever mm-hmm. he first revealed himself to. And he was a doll. So it was children. But like, if he was ever say hit against a therapist in a more real situation than we see uh, in cult of Chucky, like and forced to like confront who he is and like his habits, the way that Tiffany kind of pushes him in seat of Chucky about like who he is and why he does what he does. I think that'd be like a really interesting conversation just to see him be like, no, like the pushing him on the killing stuff. Like, do you need to do it? Like, is it a compulsion? Are there maybe forces out there that are bigger than you? Do you need to like give yourself over to a higher power? You know, just sort of like that. Cause he is just like a, like a 
very well written serial killer in that this is what serial killers like the what they call it the um, mind uh, what they call it mind hunter mm-hmm. guys were making psychological profiles of people like Charles Lee Ray or like Bundy like whatever and 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 the way they portray Chucky is very much like in that vein like he is an unsub who is like egotistical white like of this certain age like a low, lower income family you know this kind of thing where he's like he fits all the the qualifiers that would make someone into like yeah manson or bundy or gacy or Dahmer or what have you exactly um he, he's this amalgam of all these different serial killers but the difference with him though is um like Freddy, you know, he's one of the most gleeful about it. Um, and in a way, I, he's almost more gleeful than Freddy um, uh, because he's in real life and he can only be so creative. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's limited to the physicality of his body. And I think that's something that one of the other things I love about all of these movies is th- whether it's intended or not, there's so much inherent physical comedy that mm-hmm. that plays out in every single one of these movies and it never yeah. gets old for me never yeah. gets old whether it's it's chucky biting people and kicking his little feet um or one of my favorite things they do a lot is when they do the um aerial shots of the dolls dragging bodies around and you know it's little people uh mm-hmm. uh doubles in for the dolls but it's just shot so well that it looks really really good oh yeah can we just yeah. talk for a minute too about how this franchise has been pretty good about the CGI uh, to mechanical? Like it's it's always looked pretty good. These movies have never looked like shit. Like which is kind of incredible when you consider it sort of hit like this heyday or like sort of cult consciousness identity in like the '90s when things were like looking terrible. Like mm-hmm. Child's Play or the Child's Play. Sorry, I guess yeah, I guess you're right. So Chucky is like its own thing. Child's Play is still canon, but Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Bride of Chucky, Cold of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, now the TV show Chucky is like its own branched thing. It's always looked good. Like, and I think in this show it it looks great. I didn't know Dom Mancini uh directed some episodes of Hannibal, but in Cult mm. of Chucky, it really should and 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 uh, Andres was telling me this that like he was like, wait till you see Cult of Chucky, like you like Hannibal, right? Like you're gonna love this movie because his time at Hannibal starts like really paying off in that movie. And like, yes, there's absolutely some scenes that are as gorgeous and like beautiful looking. So to find out this was like a direct like VOD movie is like sort of depressing because it looks really good. I think that's the worst looking Chucky, but like it's a good looking movie. It's a double edged sword because Curse and Cult um, are special because they they didn't have that that pressure of a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. There's they, they they push the boundaries of the storytelling for this franchise. They take risks that they couldn't have taken, that, that frankly the remake couldn't take. The remake is fun, but I think it's a pretty safe theatrical horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, not really trying to say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know it's making comments about modern technology, which I'm game for, but it's not. I don't think it has nearly as much to say as any of the 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 Mancini movies. Um, Same. Yeah. Uh, and I I just I really really enjoy. Uh, this character um, constantly at odds with the time he's in as well. He's constantly a man out of time and he's constantly contending with it. And he's so frustrated with it. 
And, yes, you're right. He's yeah. It's it's kind of weird because like I love Freddy Krueger. I love Freddy Krueger. Like he'll always mm. be my first love. But what I'm realizing is, I think I like Chucky more because Chucky's uh got he pushes like he's being pushed against the current. Like he's kind of swimming upstream. Like Chucky actually has he's more easily uh, easy to invest in as a character because he actually struggles. Like he's and he's having- literally he's literally in like a talisman of his of his era. Yeah. Yeah, he's like stuck. Yeah, he's stuck in this like '80s thing. Now he's progressive, but like that doesn't mean that he isn't like have some antiquated throwback ideas or like have some ideas. He uses the c word that gets bleeped out, luckily. <laughs> and he's progressive without an agenda too. He has no yeah. hope of improving the world. He just is yeah. what he is, which I love. Oh no! And his first thing is like he wants to kill uh, the the bully at school. Who, by the way, this show is also hardcore about bullying. Like its statement about bullying and bullies at school is just. This this chick in this show might be the worst bully I've ever seen portrayed in television or film. Not like the most iconic, but like certainly one of the worst mm-hmm. human beings I've ever seen portrayed on TV. I um, yeah. yeah, sorry, what were you saying? No, that's what, that that was it. So when Chucky uses the c word to, to define her, you're almost like, yeah, I mean, she is. She's not even in high school yet, but she is that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I this is uh uh just kind of a. Uh, one aspect of this week's episode, and this isn't a major spoiler or anything. Um, yeah, that was, that was so good. Um, I love that they brought back the the other good guy doll named Tommy in this week's episode because that's a throwback to Child's Play Two, mm-hmm. and and uh, the good guy doll that ends up in Andy's house just named Tommy. And and I love, love, love in Child's Play 2 where, like, Chucky has wandered into this house where Andy is being fostered. And he walks by Tommy. And Tommy's like, hi, I'm Tommy. Want to play? And Chucky's like, shut up, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> he says this, like, at full volume in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a moment where it was, like, straight up, like, like he was at the window watching the little girl in this week's episode of Chucky. And he's in the rain at the window. It was definitely coded like he was sad that, or like last week's episode, I guess, uh, that she mm-hmm. was sad, he was sad that she was finding pleasure with this new this new uh, iteration of the doll because I think he says in Cult that there were twenty versions of the good guy doll. So there was yeah, there was twenty different names that they had. So Tommy's, I guess, the chonky one because he's like a bigger version. He's like a chonkier version than Chucky is. I that think. scene was just like the scene from Toy Story Three yes. or, uh, with the with a. Uh, uh, Lots of hug and bear, or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, and Andy. Uh, look, Andy's the original owner of Chucky. I mean, the whole Toy Story element is very surreal. Oh, that's why I loved the Toy Story four and the Child's Play twenty nineteen remake came out on the same day. I saw them in theaters the same day, mm-hmm. and and the Child's Play posters were tying into Toy Story, and it was it was like implying that Chucky was like systematically murdering all the all the Toy Story characters, like yeah. it was. It was like a bloody, like like uh, a Woody cowboy hat. There was like a bloody, like um, Buzz Lightyear arm. It was, it was that ad campaign was amazing. Look, I'm this is what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if Chucky becomes the first, like like in that episode of Black Mirror, that Chucky becomes the first fully aware sentient IP that then runs for Congress and gets elected. Like I would not be surprised if Chucky is able to somehow break through the fourth wall, last action hero style, and just become a actual thing because chucky the way it interacts uh, the, the twitter the, everything it's almost like it's an alternate reality game where we are just 
just a sliver away from living in that universe. And Chucky is very <laughs> much like aware of like our our world and interacting with our larger IPs and stuff. Jennifer Tilly being now canonically just the ghost of somebody who looked and sounded a lot like who looked and sounded a lot like Jennifer Tilly. Like the mm -hmm. whole thing is one step away from just being like, and now Chucky's actually gonna run for Congress. And is that so crazy? I mean, after Trump. <laughs> I I I gotta just say, um, I would give anything to hang out with Brad Dorif. He's definitely at the top of my list for like celebrities I would hang out with because he's worked with everyone I've ever wanted to meet. And his and his stuff, he just has such a diverse body of work. Um I'm trying to think Rob Zombie, everyone in Lord of the Rings, and who else you want to meet? He's well, he's worked with Herzog and Lynch. That's that's a big part of it. Wait, wait, let me let me back up here. Where's the Lynch movie? Oh my god. Am I going crazy? Dude in Blue Velvet. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I got there. And Blue Velvet. Um, Where's the Blue Velvet? He's one of the he's one of uh Frank's exactly. little oh, little yeah. little guys, yeah. Oh my god! You know what? I, I think I used to think that he was Jack Nicholson. The uh, with Tommy is that the guy's name or whatever his name is in uh, Batman eighty nine? I think I used to think that was Brad Dourif. Oh yeah. Um, but you know what was funny is uh, I was when I was rewatching um, the original Child's Play uh, recently. Um, I was like watching that opening scene where Chris Sarandon's chasing Brad Dourif, and I'm like, huh. They were both nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And then I'm sitting there, I'm like, fuck. They were nominated for Best Supporting Actor the same year. Wait, really? Yeah. What? Brad Dourif was nominated for uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And Chris oh Sarandon was nominated for Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, my God. And they're both in the opening of Child's Play, like, shoot, shooting at each other in a toy store over the credits. I'm like, what? Whoa. And was that just, <laughs> wait, was that before or after they were nominated? That was that was 13 years after they were nominated. Whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, back up. I did not realize that was Fred Dorf and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. My mind yeah, he, he's out. he's the guy uh who, who gets laid, but then yeah, has yeah. a yeah. has a sad end. Um Maybe that's how I met Lynch was through um Harry Dean not Harry, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton. Who was also yeah. the cuckoo's nest. Right, right, um, right, right. I think that like oh, I forgot that he was in Dune because it, it's not like I forgot that he was in Dune. Again, I don't really know that he's, much. He's David Dasmalchian in Dune, essentially. Right. The same character, Doctor DeVries, I think. Yeah, Doctor DeVries, or yeah. like that and Dean Stockwell are sort of like divvied up into the that guy, right? Because he's like the betrayer. Yeah, well, Dean Stockwell's character, Doctor Ua, was not nearly as fleshed out in the new version, mm -hmm. which was a lot of people's nitpicks about that new version was that Doctor Ua did not. Dean Stockwell's version was much more fleshed out, honestly, than yeah. the new version was. Um, Rather this, this guy did such a good job selling it that, like, I didn't really need, like, considering how much they have to condense the story, I didn't really need that guy's backstory. I felt his struggle. I got, like, what his deal was, that he was a good guy, and he just was forced into a shitty position. Mm -hmm. Tried to do the best by these people, but, like, ultimately he... You know, made stupid. I mean, I, I got like the, the through line that they need to get across. Uh, Dean Stockwell, that whole thing was just uh, Lynch's Dune is so murky. I mean, I love it for what it is, but it is so murky to me that I have yeah. no idea what's going on at any given time. But it takes a few viewings for sure. But I mean, people are reevaluating the shit out of it right now. Um, uh, yeah, I know. And and that's fine. I, I honestly think I, I think uh, the new version is ultimately a better adaptation, but I do. I'll always have a soft spot for what Lynch did well in his version, Absolutely. but he'd be, he'd be the first one to say like it wasn't, it's his least favorite movie. So 
Look, I think the winners of 2021 in terms of like coolest comeback definitely belong to like Lynch and uh, Dorf. Like it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, like in terms of like, we're just going to go and look at uh, what they've done and look back at them and be like, oh, wow, they're when you look at it from today's lens, what they were doing back then was very cool. So like Brad <laughs> Dorf, I didn't really know any of his work because why would I? I didn't really know Child's play that well. So when I saw him and I remember the first time I recognized him as the, like, the voice of the thing from child's play was Lord of the Rings. And then like, I promptly forgot that that was the thing. Uh, and then that he didn't really cross my cultural consciousness again, like until very recently. And I was like, Oh, look, there he is in the Halloween, the remake with by Rob zombie. Like I was mm-hmm. able to like physically clock him, but I haven't gone back and to see what else has Brad Dourif in it. I bet a lot of things. Yeah. He's, he's always good. And he's not always playing a hugely eccentric character. Um, I, uh, the Herzog film, I'll never stop recommending that he's in, and I'll I'll let you borrow my physical copy if you can't find it true. But mm-hmm. it's called The Wild Blue Yonder, and um, it's just Herzog and Brad Dourif, uh, Herzog with a camera and Brad Dourif, and he's just taking Brad Dourif to random locations um, that are examples of like uh, modern societal excess, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, landfills, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, forests that are overrun, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things that are just a sign of the times. And Brad Dourif is uh, an alien mm-hmm. who has arrived on Earth and is commenting on everything we're doing wrong. Really? And he's just monologuing about how we suck at all these things he's like you know like i i, I you know this the, there's all these things these species the species is doing wrong you know and and you know if they would just do this it would be so much better and it's just herzog pointing a camera at brad dorif and letting him monologue as an alien I have about what it's so great um it's i hopefully you can find it streaming i bought a dvd of it on ebay because i I love it so much, but I bet you um, did. <laughs> it was hard to find. That's, that's all I meant. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, it, it was like, I would just not be surprised that you have that in your home because when you showed me that, what was it? Like this, the, the, maybe it was the tornado movie. It was something else. That no, was the Blair Witch Book of Shadows, like special collectors DVD you had of it. With the like, CD, oh. CD, DVD combo. Yeah. And CD, DVD combo. Of course you do. Um, so I just, one thing I also, wait, I had one thing I wanted to go back to about, what was it, Dorf or oh yeah, the other messaging in this movie, which is very like appropriate. It is not like this show is uh, doing the thing yet that's eventually some show is gonna have to do, which is like deal with the pandemic and like actually address it in like a way that is realistic <laughs> or like movies. Right. At some point, we're gonna have to like address that like everything on television and movies is living in an alternate reality where there was never COVID. Like it, I it's just gonna have to. We, we have to address it at some point. But Chucky at least loves hospitals. <laughs> is, I, I love bro, him saying that. He says it twice over the course of two episodes, and like it ends, uh, like it ends a beat, and it begins like the next episode beat, and he just goes, "I love hospitals," and you're just like, "Oh, that's like another cool thing about you." It's a scary thing. Um, hmm? Will you permit me to grab something? I'll be right back. Yeah, absolutely. Wrong guys, I'm just trying to get this thread about uh about whether or not we can get the uh, Sawa songs going, but um. I just want, what were you saying? No, no, go ahead. I just want to show people this is a real film. 
you are blowing Adam's mind tonight. Yeah. So uh, the subversive cinema pre presents, um, which is a mouthful, but yeah, um, listen to this. From legendary filmmaker Werner Herzog comes an inspired vision. As humans search for a new planet to colonize, aliens attempt to settle on the nearly uninhabitable Earth. Oscar oh. nominee Brad Dourif delivers a remarkable performance as an alien who tells his story. Herzog worked with NASA uh, to create incredible documentary images from outer space and beneath the Antarctic Ocean. Combined with these and Brad Dourif's performance and interviews with respected scientists, culminating in a personal plea to save our planet. It's oh, so cool. <laughs> I told you. It's almost like Freddy Krueger was into environmentalism. It's almost like Brad Dourif is just the world's best person. It's indis he's indistinguishable from this point from me, from Chucky and Brad Dourif are the yeah. same person. Yeah. It's canon now, and he's also an environmentalist alien. So I think I'm going to watch The Wild Blue Yonder tomorrow. I I I, th I I haven't watched it in like five years. I think I'm due. I'm excited. I mean, we haven't talked at all about Jennifer Tilly's performance or that much about uh, uh, Fiona Dorff's performance, but oh my God, Fiona Dorff is such a talent. Alone. If you didn't tell me again, because I'm new on this, but if you didn't tell me who she was related to or like whatever, I would just be like, this woman is a fantastic actress and beautiful and like amazing. And I can't unsee it. You can't unsee or unhear it. Like you can't unring that bell. You can't mm -hmm. like hear laugh without being like, "Oh my god, that is Chucky's laugh." Did he steal it from his daughter? Like, is that where, or was she just born <laughs> laughing like that? Because that that's not Brad Dourif's laugh. Like he's doing an exaggerated laugh that is just how she laughs when she giggles. That is what it sounds like. It is weird, and bizarre, and I love it, and I'm here for it. Uh, she also looks just like a very very pretty version of him. Like she, her I face, know. It's so much so that they just cast her as Brad Dorif because she's obviously the one who looks most like him, but it is uncanny. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And your mind just kind of breaks a little bit. She's, she's lovely, but she's very endearing and relatable too. Like yeah. I love, uh, when you watch curse and cult, Nika is such a great character, oh, yeah. uh, who I'm rooting for in both of those movies. Yeah. And I'm just so excited to see her carry on the legacy of not just her character, but the franchise. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, like regardless of where the show goes already seeing what we've seen this week's episode for her to play him in the flashbacks is so cool. And yeah. she put out a really nice tweet saying uh, something to the effect of really appreciate all the kind words because and then she writes in all cabs because this was a lot. And then she has a series of pictures of her, getting the prosthetics put on yeah, and being made to look like your father uh, uh, would be enough for a lot of people, let alone when you're not the same gender. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I, I love how game she was for it. It's hilarious. Cause after you watch Chucky, you know, after the episode, they have these little post interviews with the cast and crew and they were talking this week and like, she was like, yeah, so I wanted to, so I went up and I was like, dad, I'm going to play you. Can I spend some time with you? And he was just like, Nah, like make it your own thing. Like he just seems I mean, first of all, like when he's being interviewed, you see him, you're like, oh man, Brad Dorf like got very old very quickly. Like his voice is young, but like he looks a lot older now than he did, I think. But his voice has remained consistent. Like, I give him credit for that. But I do love the idea that she's just like, Hey Dad, I just want to spend some time with you. Can we like we go kick the ball around and like like just talk about Charles Lee Ray? And he's like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, man. It's like uh I also think, you know, one thing that we're talking about that's always been subtext in Chucky or in the Chucky verse and Child's Play verse is the idea of like, 
mental illness, adoption, and abuse. Like, I feel like those are three major themes that have been kind of consistently under the radar, but like big parts of the entire series, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, like foster care, foster homes, group homes, mm -hmm. uh, adopted parents, that, that the whole thing is built in there. And the idea of like uh, being abused by these parental figures or figures in charge, having to keep like the secret of it, like that's kind of why Chucky can be so effective in like turning these kids because these kids are often like neglected in a certain way. You know, having someone like just having a doll show up and be like, "Hey, kid, like chain smoke," and be like, "You wanna, you wanna hang out and play hide the soul?" Seems like the creepiest uncle move ever. But a lot of kids in this universe are like not being well cared after. Um, it's usually like, an absent father. Yeah. Usually an absent father. I mean, it's almost like you know, in Nightmare on Elm Street, there's always this undercurrent of like the creepy parents, like the the neglectful drunk mother, the like way too into his kid, like uh, his daughter, like dad. There's that, that there's that kind of weird thing dynamic going on that's never really made explicit. This show, I feel like, is starting to get there. Like we're starting to deal with like the mom just being this awful person that's turned Lexi into a monster, the mayor of the mm -hmm. town. Did you notice who the dad is? Lexi's father? The actor? Yeah. Um, I haven't looked into it, but uh this week's episode um was the most I've liked him so far. It is the doctor from Cult of Chucky. Oh, okay. Okay. And Interesting. Like, and there's no reason, like, because we said this whole thing has been canon. There's no way that's an accident that they accidentally cast the guy from the very last movie as mm -hmm. like a guy who's playing the uh, like you know husband to the mayor. Not a major character. I don't think somebody who's going to turn out to be that essential to the plot. It's a good observation. But it's a, but it's a decision, and because we've already brought into the idea the idea of twinning with just Charlie, Chucky, and Tommy, and also now with. Kevin Sawa playing two characters. I wonder if like that is his twin brother. Yeah. It's fascinating. Right? Because like why else cast the same guy when you have a thing going on with Jennifer Chili's Jennifer Tilly? Like there's there's doubling everywhere in this in this series. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just one of the ways in it. It's just so smart. I feel like Dorif's gonna draw the line. Like they're not gonna let him pull a Tilly on him. He's like, Maybe. no, I'm not like oh, he's okay. like, I'm not gonna be myself and get possessed. No, no, he'll, he'll never show up on camera, I don't think. I don't think his thing is... I think that preserves some level of the mystique. That's why I kind of like... Well, I mean, I love Fiona Durf playing him in the recent episode. But yeah. I, I, I like that they have maintained keeping him out of it, for the most part. Um, his voice is just so evocative. Like, you hear him, and you're just like, that is just, like, the guy. Like, you don't even need to know him. You don't even need to know he's a doll, necessarily. His voice is both somehow so menacing and so friendly that it's almost like if Pennywise had a slumbag cousin, like a dirtbag Pennywise would be Charles Lee Ray. Like he's like, hey, kid, mm -hmm. what's up? You want a balloon? Like he's just got that gender fluid. Like it's the accent does it like the whole thing where he's just like very like lowbrow. He's not very like um, he's not like what's his name? Jonesy from like, <laughs> I want to go to Dreamcatchers. He's not like the guy from Dreamcatchers. Uh, he speaks with a British accent. He's not, you know, uh, someone with a lot of pretensions or, um, I mean, he's very pretentious in some ways, but he doesn't have like pretensions of being like a rich or high class yeah. or person. Like he's just like very much like a, like a man's man, like a, like let's get drunk and watch the game kind of guy, um, which makes his, which makes his open-mindedness about his, his child's uh, sexuality, like all the more endearing as like a character. I really, really think, um, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes, but um, when Freddy versus Jason came out, like 
there was so much speculation about, you know, which which iconic horror characters could square off against each other and, and such. Um, but the hill I will always die on. Yes. Go there. Is Chucky versus Leprechaun. Oh, okay. I think you say Chucky versus Freddy because that would be the roast battle that I want to see. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Eric's absolutely right. It would be. Um, I would love to see Chucky caught in a nightmare uh, with Freddy. Uh, yeah. and and then vice versa, see him in the real world with Chucky. That would be great. Or Chucky can't sleep. Or does Chucky sleep? Like, does Chucky dream? That's such a, that's a Westworld fucking Bill K. Dick question right there. Well, I think he does because Glenn does. Glenn, Glenn dreams. Slash, Glenn slash Glenda dreams. Um, Glenn slash Glenda remembers how, oh, you're right, they dream. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I, I, I think that'd be possible. But no, the reason why I'm so hung up on Leprechaun is because... Leprechaun never reached the heights of Child's Play. It was never that good of a franchise. It was it was amusing and and cute, um, but like honestly, Leprechaun uh, one through six with Warwick Davis, like they all have like funny little gags in them, but they're all bad. They they mm -hmm. are the first one's the best one. That's not saying much. And then the they did Leprechaun Origins, which is abysmal. It's horrible um, <laughs> well leprechaun the leprechaun and the hood movies are at least funny because you know like they're complete horror comedies they're 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 you know, they know what they are but they did this movie a few years ago called leprechaun returns which was like a direct they did the 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 clean sequel to the original that was the intent mm -hmm. uh where they wiped away all the sequels and they brought back um uh a couple of the original actors um, but they had someone else play the Leprechaun. Warwick Davis has moved on from that ever since Lucasfilm has been bought by Disney. It's like Warwick Davis constantly has a paycheck now from them, so he doesn't yeah. do Leprechaun anymore. Um, but Leprechaun Returns, the reason I'm bringing this all up is Leprechaun Returns was a sci-fi original movie. Oh. And Chucky is a sci-fi affiliated show. So I, I don't even need a feature-length film. I would appreciate a St. Patrick's holiday special 30 minutes to 60 minutes, Chucky versus Leprechaun, no holds barred, free for all fight, completely like, like played up for laughs. I want to see that. I was about to say, I, I was going to, I was going to go in a different direction with it, which is they also both franchises use uh, little people like and employ mm -hmm. little people to do, do that. So I yeah. was going almost like WWE direction with it, but like, yeah, like let's make the next Warwick Davis, Peter Dinklage, like let's bring the next star light and like so the range of, of some some other actors who usually don't get the limelight i think warwick davis would come back if he knew it was like brad dorf doing the voice and everything yeah because i, mean, I, I it's yeah hard because brad dorf doesn't have to show up on set i know he did for the first movie he actually like showed up on set and like read the lines brad dorf is just gonna go to that sound booth like warwick david has to show up get in the costume go in the prosthetics i would get like a little bit pissed or demand more money if i was him i would demand more money too but mm -hmm. um and it's not just because they're they're both smaller; it's because they're both quippy, and uh, you know they have a a, a similar gleefulness. Um, so never seen I'm, a movie. I've never seen a Leprechaun movie. So we we got to plan out our our St. Patrick's episode then. Yeah, they're also both very white. Like they're like the Leprechaun and the Hood thing is such a cringe m moment. I feel like because uh... um, <laughs> God, do yourself a favor. Uh, you know, double toasted Corey and Martin. Uh, 
uh, those guys, uh, they, yeah. they, they played in the Schmodown a lot. Um, mm -hmm. They were at the Houston event. They played the founding fathers. Mm -hmm. They did a bad movie roast of both Leprechaun and the hoods. And they are so good. Uh, treat yourself to those uh, because uh, ice tea uh, is in the first one. And he, there's a scene in the prologue where he wears like, like an Afro wig that you would get at uh, spirit Halloween. Mm -hmm. And and it's like the whole prologue of why the leprechaun uh, the leprechaun was in like the hood in the seventies and and it's so bad. Drew, you, leprechaun's a whole separate discussion. We'll get there, but like I, we have to do a St. Patty's leprechaun thing. Uh, we also just have to talk about who just followed me on Twitter because it is definitely Devin Sawa. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted out your thing and I gave you credit. I gave you credit. <laughs> okay all right can you talk to devin for me because like i i want final destination six uh to be a retcon not of the entire franchise but of his death his off-screen death that they mentioned in final destination 2 mm -hmm. i've always wanted devin sawa to come back to final destination because he never died on screen mm -hmm. and you could retcon that easily and uh and final destinations and endlessly reinventable franchise mm -hmm. so um given the sawanaissance as i've coined it yes, i want final Destination. i want final destination six starring devin sawa please thank you i'll uh, read that. your private chat yeah yeah uh i love the final destination series too i want the idle hand sequel i want i want the whole like give me the whole i want the night of the twisters sequel myself but no one's gonna echo me on that i would say i want the app pupil sequel but again that is not devin sawa that is it is not devin sawa guys wow. make sure you check it because even when i wrote this tweet i was trying to look up brett even though we were talking and literally we were having the conversation i was trying to do this while we were having the show i typed in renfro sans and i tried to tag brad renfro only to find out I'm still thinking the wrong name. So I apologies, but I don't think I'm the only one that's alone here having that issue. Uh, I think it is like a thing with him, but Brad Renfro, if you're watching this, we, I'm sorry, Brad Renfro. Again, guys, my frame, Devin Sawa, if you're watching this, uh, I'm sorry, I always get your name confused, but. By the way, Devin, your stubble in the show is on point. Oh, I, dude, I appreciate it. His character on the show is awesome. I feel like this could really like the kind of dirt bag that I want to see uh, Brad Renfro playing in every movie now is just like the two different dads and they're both kind of shitty in their like equal ways is like so good. He could just play like a multiverse shitty dad. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, and if you don't mind me saying, I see Andres in the chat. He's saying he's on board with the Night of the Twisters sequel. My pitch for the Night of the Twisters sequel is that uh, Devin Sawa comes back and it's called Knights of the Twister and it's way creepier because it's one tornado that comes back over the course of seven days. Isn't this the plot of that tornado movie that you love? <laughs> Isn't that that's the plot? Is the tornadoes coming after them and like has that's like well, tornado? I mean, uh, you're not entirely wrong with the plot of tornado and LQ Jones fighting uh, the tornado that has the devil's heart. Um, and Bruce Campbell's there. Come on, yeah. a tornado's got a devil's heart and a dead soul. <laughs> like, oh my god, how do I those two it. things coexist? Ugh. Um, so any sort of final thoughts about, uh, Chucky child's play? I, I know what you said about, uh, getting Mark Hamill and Brad Dorff in the same room. I would love that. Where do you, do you see the show going in that direction? What do you, what do you hope to see from the show? Cause I don't even know how many episodes it is. I just kind of want it to go on forever. 
but I know something that is sort of this well conceived has to be like a mini suit. Like it has to be like a only like nine or ten episodes, right? This can't be very long. Uh, but I actually, I would. I expect it to be ten episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing we haven't talked about is how Nick Antosca is one of the uh, executive producers and story lead story writers on this. He he's the guy who spearheaded all of Channel Zero. Um, oh my god! For yeah. Real? Yeah, Nick Antosca did all of he he did. I think he came up with almost all of the story ideas for Channel Zero, and oh he was God. also he also collaborated with Scott Cooper on Antlers. Um, I just saw which, that last night, by the way. We can yeah, talk about that at some point. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. I dug that, but it, it, it should have been a little bit longer. But I dug it. I feel like there was um, some story missing, but I did like it a lot. I thought it was yeah, really yeah. good. Like, I feel like zero. holy shit, Channel I feel zero. like. I feel like the perfect length horror movie exists somewhere between Antlers and The Empty Man. Like what's weird? some. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's weird is I, I thought Antlers was very short. Turns out Antlers was like pretty long, uh, and I thought Empty Man was like forty years too long. So I feel yeah. like it's just a pacing issue, I think, for me because I can like long movies, but I want them to be TV shows at that point, essentially. I, I'm with you, but I, I think it... the the, uh, the what the Dream House No End House is, it, is that the second season? Mm-hmm. I want everything to be the length of the No End House and be. There's the No End House and the Dream Door, so it's very like. Uh, no End House might be one of the best seasons of like, like just encapsulated. Uh, what's it called? Like, uh, it's it's almost like anthology, but it's like seasonal anthology. It's the best seasonal anthology singular version of one that I've ever seen. Quick plug, uh, PSA for horror fans: If you haven't seen Channel Zero, you can stream it lots of places. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna try to get Eric to do that tonight because he hasn't seen any of them. I'm gonna start him on uh, no end, uh, the, the 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 no end house. Uh, I I you can you can't go wrong starting on any season, but mm-hmm. PSA mm-hmm. you can buy the DVD set all four seasons. It's twenty bucks. Oh, really? On DVD, they don't do a Blu-ray version, but all the DVDs together are twenty bucks. Um, I was fortunate enough to win a video chronic quiz recently mm-hmm. and I spent my winnings to buy that. It was worth it. Uh, God, I'm so glad that's what you spent your money on. If I ever win a video chronic quiz, I'm going to spend it on something dumb, like the claw game apps and stuff. Actually, well, I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was, I wanted to get something I wouldn't have otherwise got. Yeah. That's why it was special. I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm still a bit distracted, still freaking out about Devin Sawa. <laughs> I would be too. Uh, please tell him, hey. I will. Um, uh, I think, I think he would like me. I think he talk. would like you too. That's why I'm like, why <laughs> would I first tag the right person and B, uh, make sure to give you credit because it was your, it was your term and it's a great I need to change my Twitter handle to my name, I think. Um, yeah, I think you do. It, it throws people off. Um, ever since I've like actually like started interacting with people on Twitter, people are like who the fuck is Eisenthor? Or if you're me, you can do the opposite and just change your identity to match your Twitter handle, so people don't actually have to remember your real name because that's associated with like bad Google search results. And you can just be Video Drew or Eisenthor, Eisenthor. Well, there are a lot of Adam Collinses too. There's a mm-hmm. Canadian professional wrestler. He only worked the amateur circuit, but he's pretty prominent. And then mm-hmm. um, the character of Hillary Duff's. The father of Hillary Duff's character in Cadet Kelly is named Adam Collins. You would think uh, there would be more Drew Rants, but there are not. There, you Google it, and it's just me. It's just stuff I don't want to like read about. But Video Drew, there's there's only one, and it's all stuff I want to read about. I thought it was like Franklin Pierce's secretary at the Treasury, but I could be wrong. 
I don't think so. No. There's, a, there's a guy who was murdered in Australia named Drew Grant. There's a ballet dancer named Drew Grant. And then there's me. And I like I feel so bad for the rest of them because I'm taking up all their Twitter search results, all their Google search results and traffic. Always constantly having to look at my stupid face. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, you should you should change your, your at least your Twitter thingy. So like your little label so we know Adam yeah. Collins. I'm going to look into it, Video True. I'm going to look into awesome. it. But but tell That's Devin, hey, I think we've accomplished a lot because Jennifer Tilly liked the tweet tonight. Devin yes. Sawa followed you, and mm -hmm. I was here for it. No, Adam, you got the credit. You, you're you still always going to be remembered as the person who came up with the term Sawasance. If it ever catches on an urban dictionary. Sawanasance. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Sawasance, Sawanasance, mm -hmm. it all means yeah. the same thing. And he's deserving of it because he's a cool he's a cool actor. Um, Adam, where can people find you when you're not freaking out about Chucky? <laughs> yeah, um, well, I will be on the Finally Tailored Network tomorrow doing the and endless bracket show um, where we discuss all the geek movies that geek. Um, but we're getting into some of the final rounds and we're going to have our final episode. We're going to record it in a house, in person, all of us what? together uh, at Spectacular. What? Uh, so it's going to be a house for Live in the Dark? <laughs> well, there's, we're going to be at... Um, I think we're meeting at an Airbnb for it, but uh, I think we're going to be inviting a lot of people. So I'll keep you posted. But like the core, the core folks are myself, Marisol, Jacob and Taylor, obviously Dan, Mara, uh, Jesse Swift and his wife quite often, uh, Robert Parker. Uh, so we're going to get a lot of people in there. Yeah. Tell me, let me let us know where you guys are staying. Uh, that'd be awesome to meet up with you guys. I know we're so excited about spectacular and to see everyone. And oh so yeah. Soon. It's so soon. I know. And other than that, yeah, get your tickets for Spectacular. If you can't be there in person, watch it live. Um, I am putting my heart and soul into getting Mike and Marisol ready to put on amazing matches so that everyone has a great time. Mm -hmm. um, as for me, you can find me here. Also, uh, over my Patreon, patreon.com backslash video drew. Everywhere on the internet, it's just backslash video drew, and that's fine. If you want to check out uh, the podcast network that me and Nerdchronic have, it's called Content Candy. You can check that out wherever you find your podcasts uh, that has shows that are like this one, uh, Cinema Bias, which I do with Alex Mack, Live in the Dark. Uh, I It also has shows that are just audio versions only, like, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Garmin Shows Ya with me and Lon Harris uh, and the video chronicles and a, a review show that we're currently working on and a bunch of fun stuff that's going to be coming up now that nerd chronic has a little bit, just like an hour or two of times uh, a day to like carve out for doing fun projects. Um, <laughs> you're, never, you're never, you're never at a shortage of that on that, this network. No, never a shortage of that, but like, it's nice to, <sighs> Hmm. Otherwise, guys, uh, yeah, we do the Video Chronic Pop Culture Quizzes twice a week, Monday and Thursday. I think we have one for Monday. Nerd Chronic, shine them up in the comments. Tell me what it is again. I kind of forgot what we were doing. I know it's something that I wanted because we did. Yeah, let me know. I, oh, by the way, Video Drew, and I'm not afraid to plug this on the air. Go ahead. I, I shamelessly want for Video Chronic, mm -hmm. please, please, please mm -hmm. put out the word. I want an ultimate video chronic weekends at birdies night with both movies both okay. it has to be both okay it has because to be both. weekend at birdies 2 is a subtle work of genius i don't care what anyone tells me 
I would have passed the original by like far. Like the first oh, one's like the second one's we, the classic. Weekend at Bernie's two means a great deal to me. So let's get that going. And then uh one thing I forgot to mention is after this, I'm hopping on Jesse Swift's network, the flick and reel network. He is doing a little fundraiser so that he and uh, Lauren, his wife, can get to Spectacular without going into bankruptcy. So I'm going to pop over there for some fun games. Check it out if you have time, even if it's on a rerun. They're good people over there. Just wanted to plug it. Uh, Devin Sawa, like, hearted my GIF that I sent him over DM. So, like, I'm having the best day of my life. Oh, my God. I want to be – I need to get in on this you know, somehow. I... <laughs> Devin! Devin! <laughs> Uh, guys, I, yeah, I think I'm also going to be on Jesse's thing in a little bit, so follow us over there. This is a multiverse, mm -hmm. uh, as you know. We'll be at Spectacular, me and Nerdconic, uh, hanging out, maybe selling some stuff. I don't know if we're, like, doing the same thing we did two years ago, where me and Tom just, like, sold pictures of ourselves to people. We're still allowed to do that, because <laughs> that would I'm, be really fun. I'm thinking of just, like, like showing up at the little mini convention and, and mm -hmm. challenging people to random contests, Squid Game style. Like, you want to yes. play marbles? You oh know? my god, Adam... You want to play Go Fish? That's so brilliant. That's so brilliant. God damn it, Adam. That's such a good idea. <laughs> I want to like find just weird objects that I've collected over the years and just like have like little scavenger hunts everywhere. Yeah. Like, just find video Drew stuff. And you and and maybe we'll get Devin Sawa to show up. We'll try. Maybe we'll get Devin Sawa. We'll get the screenwriter. We'll get a bunch of people here, guys. Uh, this has been an awesome episode of Why Are We Like This? <laughs> question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Uh, join us back here. Wait, in two weeks is going to be. Wait, wait, let me think for a second. I think two weeks should be fine. It'll be the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So. Yes, that that's gonna be fun. I will be in Delaware, but I will yes. be here, like on your screen. Nice. Awesome. Okay, guys, thank you for joining us. As always, please hit that like and subscribe button. And oh yeah, I forgot one thing. We did get a uh, stream. Uh, we got a streamlab. So sorry for not reading that. I got very distracted. Uh, we got a streamlab at the beginning of the show from. There's one I was off like line for two seconds. We got a Streamlab for $10 from, hold on, loading, loading, loading. Was it the French? It wasn't the French Taunter. It was somebody else. I'm going to figure it out right now, live on camera as my computer grinds to a halt. I think it was our um, boy, William Harold. I think it was William Harold. I'm just trying to read the comments. Which, by the way, he put out a PSA that this fine film is streaming for free on Prime. Get it while you can. Because oh, it traditionally it doesn't stream that often or for very long, uh, but physical copies are few and far between. So watch it if it's streaming because it's really cool. I remember he said "damn fine coffee." I'm just gonna remember that. That is what he said. He said "damn fine coffee." <laughs> Maybe you're making a Twin Peaks reference. Uh, so I that's accept. why we like this. It is. Maybe next episode is just on Devon Sawa. Why are we like this, Devon Sawa? Um, uh, I can do that. Let's talk. All right. Let's talk. Him and Seth Green. This this is 90% of my childhood. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. We will see you over on Jesse's channel. Bye. Bye.